It is now uh, 24 minutes before 2 o'clock. You're listening to The 123 Show this afternoon with me, Karen Coe. And it's time for us to uh, be joined by our first guest today. And I'm thrilled to have on the line Molly Jean de Dieu, who's the founder of an NGO called Emotional Inclusion. So we're going to hear a lot more about that. So Molly, welcome to the program. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me on. Such a pleasure. Well, we're very excited to hear more about this. But before we talk about emotional inclusion, tell us a bit more about yourself, your your personal and your professional background. Yeah, sure. Well, look, I've been in Asia for 15 years now or, or mounting up to it in a few months. And I've been uh, working as the manager managing director here in Singapore of a company called Longchamp. Um, a lot of you might hear it uh, spoken out as Longchamp, but it's <laughs> Longchamp. And, uh, um, and so I uh, have been based in Singapore for the last five and a half years. And I really, you know, throughout my career realized uh, that there was a gap uh, within the corporate landscape that allowed for emotions to truly be heard and, and for mental health in the workplace to be uh, more um, seriously looked at. And so last year, I opened an NGO called Emotional Inclusion in the Workforce, where we call on companies to invest in a trained therapist in their organizations to uh, oversee the emotional wellness of employees in a sustainable way and you know in a way in which we can really um, further accelerate ambassadorship and retention and what I dub as adaptive resiliency because as we all know in the backdrop of COVID every day is a new day and we need to uh, and we need to truly adapt yeah, it's interesting. To what comes our way uh, daily? It's interesting how companies have really, um, have really had to change a lot, particularly because of the pandemic, and look at their workforce in a different way. I mean, how would you rate most companies at the moment? You know, global companies, local companies. How would you rate them as? How good are they at taking into account? their employees' emotional lives as opposed to just do they function at work? Can they do their job? Well, look, to be very honest with you, not well so far. Um, and that's exactly why, you know, we have identified the need to look at mental health more seriously in the workforce uh, today uh, more than ever before. And you know, when you think that, or when you think about the statistics, that 58% of leaders still are uncomfortable to talk about mental health in their positions, it kind of puts the reality back into perspective. And so a lot of companies have dabbled around um, yoga sessions or uh, team building activities or even 24-7 hotlines to address the matter. But, you know, that is, uh, again, uh, not truly taking the matter seriously. And a lot of feedback, which we get with regards to 
the 24-7 hotlines, for example, is, um, you know, the question of w where does that information go to, you know, mm. once a, an employee calls that hotline? And, and not only that, uh, why would an employee speak to a perfect stranger, you right. know? And so there are so many elements that are still omnipresent in and around the stigma that is attached to mental health that um, a lot of um, work is is attached to doing just that, destigmatizing the issue and and allowing for companies across the board to understand that we are humans at work. Really. Yeah, and ha I mean, maybe traditionally people would think, oh, this is the purvey of human resources. You know, this is falls within their remit. But really, HR departments are not equipped or really trained to deal with some of these very deep issues, are they? And yeah, no, and absolutely. I think it's fair to say that human resources, you know, really look at the uh, the hiring and you know the uh, the overall, if you will, without getting into too much detail because uh, that would perhaps be too lengthy. But HR really looks at the administrative um, uh, spectrum of the company and you know takes care of. Uh, with regards to the people, really, truly, uh, you know, uh, it, they take care of the onboarding and the hiring. But that's basically where 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 their role uh, stops. And you know, um, Karen, we advocate a trained therapist in companies because they're vowed through their medical license to secrecy. And mm -hmm. oftentimes, when employees go to HR today uh, when they have a problem. They go to HR bravely and boldly, not really knowing if their problem is going to be addressed. And if it's not addressed, their secret quote unquote is out of the box, right? right? And so that leaves them, if anything, in a much more vulnerable state than where they started in, in, in the first place. And um, I think we need to evolve uh, towards a medical um, uh, mindset in terms of what it means to uh, to 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 oversee the emotion um, the emotions and the emotional well-being of our of our employees. It's not something that um, anyone can do. And I was just speaking. Uh, with a, a CEO of a huge corporation just yesterday who was telling me about how one of his employees committed suicide. Mm. And, and, and then what do you do? You know, right. um, the, the, the whole, whole dynamic of prevention uh, uh, rather than, than, you know, prevention uh, versus cure is really at the centerfold of what we're looking at. Mm. And HR can't really deliver that, right? Yeah, exactly. So from from the companies that you've engaged with so far that you've been trying to spread the word to, what kind of reaction um, are you getting? How, how receptive are they to the idea? Well, Karen, I can't tell you enough how humbling it's been and uh, how truly um, energizing and motivating it has been as well because the response has been very positive. The poll, uh, either way we look at it, is greater than us. 
Um, I think that uh, mental health has been put on the map through um, this entire COVID pandemic. But you know, realistically, it was already a five U.S. you know five trillion U.S. dollar annual problem. You know, in the first place, um, but COVID has accelerated uh, the whole topic, and companies are now realizing again that you know we need to look at it more seriously, and indeed, you know, look at it through a more medical. Uh, lens than we have uh, in the past, so it's been it's been it's been really uh, really an amazing journey so far in terms of uh, having these discussions with these big companies who and smaller companies who are now ready to engage. Uh, in, in a matter more seriously. Mm. Now, of course, it might be a while before companies actually, you know, take on, say, hiring a, a full-time therapist um, to, to help their employees. But what are some things they can do today to make the work environment better for employees to take into account that, that you know, people have a life outside just what they show you, uh, whether physically at the office or in a, in a Zoom meeting? Sure. Well, I think it's not that far away, firstly, Karen, because it is going to be rolled out, uh, you know, and it is already in certain companies being rolled out already. So, um, you know, it's, it's really, uh, a, you know, it's, all, it's already uh, happening, which is great. But if you're a company that does not have an in-house trade therapist yet, I think it's very important, firstly, that the leader... Um, lead by example, you know, and truly showcase the fact that it is okay to show up at work um, wholly and, uh, and and bring your true self at work and be able to um, to express what it is, that which you need to express at, at, a, at any given time. So I think if the leader is on board and really cultivating that type of corporate uh, culture, if I may say, then that will allow employees to feel safe uh, to uh, to speak up. Um, I think it's also very important to, to take time in, in asking that question, how are you? You know, so often we skimp even listening to the answer answer right because we always get the same answers uh, uh, fine yes. stressed uh, you know on the go whatever um, but to really listen and uh, more often than not um, you know there is something that uh, you know a deeper something that someone might be wanting to share uh, to engage in a more meaningful conversation and you know that's what we we need more of is less platonic conversations at work uh, because we all need to, to feel truly purposefully engaged in um, in our daily lives at the office where we spend most of our times anyway. Mm. Do you think there's maybe but a little bit of fear among employees that it's a bit risky for me to let too much of my personal life creep into work or to let my boss know that I, you know, I have this issue or I have that problem. You know, I can always, uh, you know, I have so many examples, um, you know, that I could, I, I could choose from in order to, to truly say no. I think again, when 
anyone is hired, they of course are hired for their uh, capabilities within the given realm that they're uh, being hired for and for the given position. However, you know, they are also hired because there was that personality factor, you know, who they are right. and how they, you know, and so that other half of who, who they are comes into the equation. So we are whole people. This is the school of life. We all go through our ups and downs. And when an employee uh, needs to speak up or feels a need to speak up, they should. And if they're not heard, uh, then they're in the wrong place. And there's always going to be a fear factor uh, because we've been taught that uh, we have to create a subpersonality within the work realm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we're taught to leave our personal, our personal selves um, at home and, and kind of act robotically in many ways uh, in the office and, you know, and, and really just perform, perform, perform. But we all know that that's just not what really caters to flourishing companies and, 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 and to team uh, spiritedness and to creativity and, uh, and growth. Um, so my advice is always to, to boldly and bravely uh, speak up when there is something to be said, because again, uh, when that p person wishes to speak up, you know, they were hired in the first place for who they were wholly mm. as a person and, and not just, you know, a, 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 a worker a, bee. A, a work, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, Molly, it's great that you started this initiative and I really do hope, you know, a lot of companies um, take it take it on and, and take it seriously. So if, if people want to know more about um, emotional inclusion, how can they find out more? How could, how could some um, CEOs reach out and, and get more information? Well, firstly, Karen, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak and, and, uh, and be able to share a little bit about the NGO with your audience uh, today. Um, I can be found on LinkedIn at Molly Jean de Dieu, or you can, uh, uh, or on the LinkedIn page for emotional inclusion, which is just emotional inclusion. You can also find me on my website at www.emotionalinclusion.com. And you have a podcast too, don't you? And I have a podcast. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, a podcast called Emotional Inclusion that can be found on iTunes and Spotify. Great. Well, Molly, thank you so much for sharing uh, those ideas and um, doing the work. I mean, I think it's a, it's a valuable thing and we've all, we're all learning great lessons about how to motivate people, how to keep teams energized. And uh, this is definitely the right way to go. Thanks again so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Karen. Okay, take care. take care. And we've been speaking with Molly Jean de Dieu, who's the founder of the NGO called Emotional Inclusion. It's now eight minutes before 